This is Derek Moyer, and welcome to the Freedom Fighter Podcast. Oh, good morning. You don't have to worry about me blocking the slides because there are none today. <laughs> just this, resilient. <clears throat> just listening to those songs, <laughs> I could have stayed in worship there for the rest of the morning. <laughs> I, I could just talk about the words of those songs. All I want is living water. Take me deeper. You, you are here, waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Even when I don't see you are working, you are working. Even when I don't think you, you're working, you are working. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Gosh. You know, just in, even in the five minutes of worship, I'm looking outside the window, I pulled up. Oh, who put those down? <laughs> okay, now I know the sun has come up. Because it didn't come up till quarter past nine. I was looking at it coming up from that window, and it was shining in my eyes. And I was looking at that landscape. Stunning. Yes. Frozen. Still. And transforming and changing as I watched frozen grass here has taken a bit of sun and is already changing. Transformation is taking place. It looks so still out there. Looks like it's frozen, like nothing's happening. But all the nutrients, everything is getting ready for spring. I was picturing seeds sprouting up, going down as well as up. You know, carbon going back into the ground. There's so much going on out there. And yet it looks like it's still. But he's doing so much work below the surface. And that's what I think he's going to do in this session. I think that's what he's doing with us and through us during this time. So this theme of caring for neglected places, (laughs) the world just doesn't allow time for this. You have to be intentional with it. And that's why Derek, in coming up with the themes, intentionally (laughs) put it in here. And as we were thinking, as I was thinking, praying about this session, I was, you know, is there pictures you want us to put up, Lord? Is there words? What's the content? Where are the scriptures? What do you want? And as, as I was sitting with him, he began to ask me questions about my own story. And I just started writing. And we each have our own story. And what we want to do with this session is uh, I'm going to share a few thoughts on my own story. Um, I'm going to invite Debbie to maybe share some thoughts. And, and then Elaine and I are going to go into kind of some question and answers just in the moment. Elaine asking me some questions about my story, maybe telling you some of hers. And what we want to leave you with at the end of the session is there's a way that we can work with the neglected places. There's a process that we can actually name things, invite Jesus in, not look at it from a removed place of, huh, would you go in there, Jesus, please? You know, the gentle healer, 
but we're remote from it. No, we need to be in our own hearts and our own souls, opening the door from the inside. And it may feel uncomfortable to be here in that place, but we let him in. So it felt uncomfortable as I sat there, but it felt real, it felt honest. And it brought relief as some of the things that I know about my own story started to come up in the moment as I was thinking about things and he was leading me and I was journaling. And I also felt like I was trying to hold a beach ball and push it down and not allow it to come up because when it does come up, what does it feel like for me? It feels frustrating. And that, as Dave was saying yesterday, frustration is just another word for anger, sizzling. You know, it hasn't become rage or fury but it's sizzling here and you can start to smell it. I can start to feel it in myself. And I didn't like that feeling that it was starting to cause me frustration that he was asking me for this session to go and start doing it on myself. And this is what he asked me. Are you in tune with your soul? Are you in tune with your soul? Are you curious or worried about the state of your soul? Are you moving towards understanding your soul and what it actually needs? Or do you tend to tune out of your soul? And I found myself asking myself, when I have time to be intentional, what do I do? What do I turn to? Do I ask my soul what it needs? Or do I get busy? and turn to other things, distractions. And then do I end up feeling bloated on the things that I've got distracted with? Yeah. And then I feel like I've wasted time instead of using it. (sighs) He then asked me, so, Clinton, where are you and where have you neglected your soul? And I was surprised how easy the pen <laughs> started to... <laughs> so it feels like the place, this is what I wrote, it feels like the place I repeatedly ne- neglect and avoid is the place where I feel unseen, unknown, is- isolated and abandoned to my own devices. It's the place where my neglected and isolated self feels untaken care of. I'm not taking care of it. And I was doing, in my own journey with counselling, so I started at the invitation of my beautiful wife to do a diploma (coughs) 10 years ago in counselling. And we're both full-time therapists now. I did not see that coming 10 years ago. And in one of the counselling sessions I was in, I was telling my story, and the counsellor said to me, it's as if you're wearing a T-shirt that says, where are the adults? I said, yes, that's it. I have a T-shirt, basically, that I wear. Going, "Uh, Sorry, who's in charge? Where where are the adults? Why why would I be looking after myself? Somebody should be looking after me. And what I've discovered in my story is, from a very young age, my father told me this, good parents, but... In the 60s, when a baby's crying and it's your first child and the baby won't stop crying, doesn't it make more sense to leave the house 
I'd go for a, a wee dander, as my friend Neil would say. <laughs> go for a walk while your firstborn is crying, because surely he needs to go to sleep. So my dad told me this only a few years ago, that they would leave the house and let me cry and cry and cry and cry. And when they came back, yeah, I'd given up crying, stopped crying, and probably <laughs> was whimpering and falling asleep. But when I was told that, I realized, ooh, I knew something happened there. I already gave up crying to have my needs met. <coughs> but I was loved, but something was already in conflict there. And I know this about myself, and yet I repeatedly avoid taking care of that part of my soul. I choose to unsee it, to move away from the discomfort and pain of that by not allowing myself to feel it, I think it'll pass. Mm -hmm. And by distracting from it, I think the distraction will somehow meet a need. And behind it all, I actually know that I'm numbing a part of myself that doesn't feel worthy of being seen, heard, understood or cared for. And it's weird because I'm sad for that part. I'm ashamed of that part. And those of you who know a bit of my story, like I, I uh, my parents met in France. Uh, I, was told, <coughs> I was told I was made in France. <coughs> but I wasn't born in France, I was born in England. And I was confused, even at the age of two, about where I was from. My parents had met here, had me here. Now they were back in Belgium, and they were putting, putting me into you know, kind of play school in another language. And like when you're two, you don't think this is another language. You're kind of going, eh, I seem to need different words for this situation. I seem to be a different version of me here. And yet it's demanded of you. It seems to have to be normal, <coughs> right? And this happened again. You know, we moved to Paris. I was four years old. I was an only child until I was seven. My mother lost a child stillborn. Uh, two or three years after me. I didn't know my parents grieved for that. I've only talked to them a few times about it. Very sad in the 60s. My father was handed my brother, wrapped in a newspaper, to go and deal with. So I don't know the level of grief and pain in my parents' life, but I do know that something their attention was somewhere else a lot of the time and I, I, I had to fend for myself that I was pushed out to be in situations. And like Dave was saying, you know, when you're a child, that's in your subconscious. <laughs> that's not actively kind of like, oh, I need to do this. I know what's going on here. No, you find yourself surviving situations. My parents moved from Paris to Brussels when I was seven and they went ahead of me and they left me with a family for two, three weeks. And the means of me getting to my parents at seven was to be put on a train from Paris to Brussels for three and a half hours on my own yeah. at seven yeah. with some sandwiches, I assume, and a passport, an Irish passport with a harp on it. What's, it. what's this about? I've never lived there. Who am I? What are you doing here? And, you know, people coming onto the train adults coming onto the train and part of me now is going why is there no adult going who's with this kid who's looking after him 
you know, it must have left me with the question of, sorry, but who's looking after me? I don't know what I did, but I think I was pretty scared as as the train stopped 30 times in a three and a half hour trip and police came on and grabbed my passport and took it and gave it back to me. And that was supposed to be normal. I find it sad that I avoid this neglected part and sad that the conclusion I came to and come to often is that if others didn't care for me or tend for that part of me, then there's no way I could be responsible for that. Like, how could I be in charge of that? Countless times it seems that I've proven that conclusion to be true <laughs> because I don't seem to be able to consistently take care of that. And I repeatedly let myself down and avoid it as a result. And so it continues. And I hear part of me say to myself, I told you so. You can't sustain this. You can look after yourself for a while. But you don't know how to do this. And then I found God asking me as I was journaling this, well, what does it feel like when you do that to yourself, when you don't look after that? Oh, odd mixture, Mm self-pity. I need to be told off, corrected. Mm-hmm. I need to be told by something inside me, get on with it, get on with it. Like, why are you stopping looking at this even? Mm-hmm. Adapt, change, deal with it. It's confusing, isn't it? Feel sorry for it, feel like getting angry with it. And then he asked me, well, what does it feel like when you do take care of it? Whew. That's a different question. When you do take care of that neglected place, when I choose to spend time with that part of me, it feels like I'm staying with it and I'm not alone in it. I have clarity and I have perspective. I feel like a part of me really cares for my soul when I'm doing it and that I'm not alone in it. He is with me. He comes in. I feel like I'm showing up for myself and like there's more space here than I thought there would be and there's space for him there too. What's available in us for others is lessened through our losses. We become numbed through repetition and we can't offer others what we don't offer ourselves. We can't love others if we can't love ourselves first. And we can't find the more of God that we long for because we're looking with less of ourselves. And too much of us has been left behind. And just as the assault, the assault on our attention that we were talking about yesterday, all the distractions that demand our attention, just as the world pushes that onto us and we are in the shallows and we can't have deep thinking. Just in the same way with this, if we're not paying attention to that, there's less of us. We're shallow, even there. <clears throat> and the, pa- the pace of life rushes at us and we rarely get time to do what we're doing right here, right now. We rarely get that time unless it's in counselling, unless God has shown us 
these places. And so we can begin to lose a sense of the highs and lows, as we know. And we lose a sense of our feelings and the ability to describe them. And so this is actually a good place here in this session to start pushing back, creating the space. And so I'm going to ask Debbie, where are you Debbie? If she'd come oh, up and yeah. share some of her own story. I'm really nervous. And I've got a, a, a lot of anxiety right now. I know the minute I start speaking, that will leave me. That will leave me. That will leave me. And it, it's that. It's that Jesus and he torn us. And, it, and I, I'm laughing because I'm sitting there and I need the full Holy Trinity. I also need that call and your heavenly angels day and your people. Um, so thank you very much for, for asking me. Um, and I really had all these wee notes and all that. <laughs> I had all these notes and... I really believed, I thought I, I knew what I was going to say. But I, even, I just believe the Lord's done a work this weekend. And even before coming, he said, I'm going to do something new. He said, I'm going to do something new, Debbie. Uh, and you, and I hadn't a clue, and the word for me was just, trust the process. You don't need to know. He says, you don't need to know what I'm doing in you. You don't need to know. So trust the process. But I'm going to give you a tiny bit of history. Um, and I'm sitting here, I'll admit, because I like to try and get honest. I put my dishonesty to say, even when my brothers and sisters speaking, I start a wee part of me comes up and goes like, oh, I feel so insecure, I get so inadequate, I actually get jealous, because <laughs> uh, I look at their anointing, I look and I wait, look at their calling, look at their anointing, and I've had to learn, it's not even jealous, it's attracted, because I, I can see in others what they can't see in myself, but I can't see in me what others see in me, and sometimes I really, really struggle to see how God sees me. Uh, and that's my truth. That's my truth. Because I suffer for that wee part, that wee unworthy part, that wee part. She's no lovable. Um, she's bad. And any wee part that's inside of me that's um, it's no good, that's living up to this high expectation that I have. Because I've got a big spiritualizer part. Uh, that's no living up to that part of me. Oh, ma. I keep myself like doing. I got an absolute pounding. Pounding, and um, so I just thought I'd break the power of that right away. Come on. Um, so for me, what I look at is a, uh, I'm just like, I don't know how anybody else is programmed. I really don't know how anybody else is programmed or their upbringing. I know my upbringing, um, and I get to see it more clearly, and I get to see more truth. The closer I get to Christ, I get to see more truth. But I, for me, I was kind of looking at it, and I was praying last night, and I'm asking again. And uh, it was for me. It was children should be seen and not heard. Yeah. Should be seen and not heard. <coughs> and anything you've got to say, nobody's going to listen to you anyway. Nobody's going to listen to you anyway. Um, but even more importantly than that, it is. And it reminds me. Um, and I always had to change how you feel. You're not allowed to feel that way. You shouldn't. You shouldn't feel that way. It was almost like me, Pollyanna. <laughs> and that was me, me, Pollyanna. Always be something to be grateful for. There's always somebody worse off than you, baby. And I've tried that. I really, really tried to play that role. Um, always finding something external. Something external to try and fix. What was going on inside of my wee, my wee soul? Um, in other words, 
a sweet Jesus mm. over every heart mm. and every mind, not just your mind. I mean, because I know up here, Jesus loves me, this I know, I learned that when I was a wee lassie, because the Bible tells me so. Um, what, in here, that's a bit, in here, in here. Um, and that's a process, and I learned this view, David, as well. That's a wee journey of discovery for me. That's a journey of discovery. Um, but I was saying that I always found, find something external to fix what's going on internally and we speak about it we, we know and internally I was at absolute <coughs> war war that's the only way I could describe it I was at war all these stuff going on inside of me um, and I still go there very quickly uh, I was at war I had no peace I had no peace mentally no peace uh, and my soul war and that's where it takes me to that we just always speak about the disease the disease always at disease and the behaviours that Come on the other side of that was me. I, I came in and I turned into a chronic people pleaser. A chronic, chronic, chronic people pleaser. If I do better, if I do better, will people love me? Will they accept me? And that's all I wanted was to be accepted, to be loved, to fit in yeah. and to feel part of. And it's my biggest stronghold. I do not fit in. I am not part of. I do not trust Father God. He's always distant for me. And that's a lie. That's yeah. a lie. Um, and I look at it, I look at my, my history and don't want to go too deep because if I tell them for that, there's three decades, three decades of active addiction, three whole decades in my life of active addiction. In my children's lives, they'd never seen their mammy cleaning her sober, ever, ever. Um, I, I say this, and, um, and I used doc, external stuff, doctors, Psychiatrists, mental health team, all the services for the three decades, yeah. trying to fix what was internally going on inside of me. Mm-hmm. And I can see old heartless see. I remember saying this, going to the doctor when I was 16, there's something inside me, there's parts of me not doing the things that I should be doing, and there's me parts of me doing things I shouldn't be doing. And they give me all these labels, diagnosing me with all these labels. Mm-hmm. All these, and I carried all these labels was stuck to me, <coughs> stuck to me and do you know what, I grew into the labels I actually grew into those labels mm-hmm. and do you know what, I performed them well because <laughs> I could start malapinating the doctors for drugs higher rates but <laughs> oh, no it's true, it's my truth I grew into them because that suited me because the mindset I had was poverty but it's been, I've learnt the biggest poverty is <coughs> It's between my ears and what I've heard. What I've heard, and it was where you spoke about the wee neglected part. The wee neglected part. So, anyways, I say, so it was three, nearly three years ago um, that I came to Jesus. Uh, and it was through a loss, through grief, through grief. Lose my sons, lose my auntie, my best friend on Christmas Day, and I'm still trapped in addiction. And then a couple of weeks later, February. My son's dad, and that was a pain. That, um, that was sore. That was a pain that me nothing externally. There was nothing externally could fix. Nothing. Substances stopped working. So cut nothing, and it was a pain that brought me to. <coughs> I never want to experience that again. It's a pain that it was um, so unbearable that I'm saying just take me. God, just take me, please just take me. 
Um, anyways, Chad was laid me to the Lord and I invited Jesus into that pain. And I'm wholeheartedly, I'm sitting, I can laugh, I laugh at this, this is my story, doesn't it, Mears? And in that pain, the Lord delivered me. When I say he delivered, I can say he delivered me for addiction. He delivered me for addiction, he did. He delivered from addiction, and the wee scripture that came to mind is Jesus comes to heal the brokenhearted, he bandages up his wounds. So at that point, I'm, <laughs> so at that point, I'm like, right, I've got Jesus in my life now. <laughs> Jesus has come to set me free. Jesus comes to set the captives free. He comes to heal the brokenhearted. And he bandaged up the wounds. At that point, I went for victimies to Christianese. <laughs> oh, I did. <laughs> I did. That's my truth. And I really, I really thought I'd arrived. I really believed that I had arrived. And that was me and everything was going to be hunky-dory. As <laughs> Jesus is setting free. <laughs> and it wasn't to be my experience. So, fat, but, uh, no, he has set me free. He set me free for addiction. And he, he walked me through the process of my son's daddy, the grief. And um, but then I get to 18 months sober and I'm absolutely miserable. 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 And I'm like, I don't know what's going on inside of me. I really do not know what's going on. And I'm told, shouldn't be feeling like that. You shouldn't be feeling like that. Shouldn't we be grateful? Yeah, gratitude list. Turn your thoughts to others. Turn your thoughts to others. Because it's not about you anymore, Debbie. And inside my wee heart, I want to die. I want to die. 18 months clean and sober, want to die, out working, serving the Lord, <laughs> leading people to the Lord, taking people to church and all the rest. At this point, I don't even know if I'm a believer. I don't even know if I'm a Christian. <laughs> I don't want to be a Christian because if, if this is the life Christianity has got to offer me, I want no part of it. And the Lord says, I need you to go away <laughs> to Port Ban. I've never been away anywhere in my life alone, ever. I have never been alone, ever, in my life. And uh, he says to me, he says, so, <laughs> I need you. Because there's more deaths. There's more family, loved ones and people around me. And he's laid me up. I was doing a bit of work with Eric and me, Martin. We went to the retreat and I thought, I'll just go to these retreats. It's got to be great, isn't it? I'll get up there I love that feeling. I love it when I'm up there. Oh, oh, oh. I love it. I love it. But getting in there, didn't like it. Didn't like it. But I could tell you I liked it. I could tell you I'm all right. I'm all right and inside I'm like this. I can't sit in my own skin. I can't sit in my own skin. And then the parts, I'm judging. I'm criticising. And the wee spiritualising, you shouldn't be feeling like that. You're a Christian. Oh, Debbie. And look how they're be. Debbie, Deb, come on. Just praise more. You need to have more faith, Debbie. Wow, what little Miss Perfect. Isn't it? And, oh, she was a bane in my life. Uh, so and then the Lord tells me, Debbie, I need you to go to Port Van. Wow. Port Van. Haven't got a clue where Port Van is. Haven't got a clue and Martin comes to one of our retreats. He's just I says, the Lord keeps speaking Port Van to me. You need to go. I mean, there's somebody else trying to tell me what I need to do. <laughs> there's somebody else who's no, you need to go, I've got a caravan. I'm like, aye, aye, aye. We'll do it. So but uh, <laughs> the Lord kept going and he's been Port Van. Port Van, I mean, right, okay, okay. So, I've never been away anywhere alone in my life, never. Uh, it's a four-wheel drive, so I get to Port Van, and it's actually written down in this wee thing, and I remember, I get to Port Van, and listen, at this point, I'm still praying, thinking I'm praying up to the heavens, and I'm in the water, and I'm going, God, you broke me here, where are you? 
Because <laughs> I thought if I prayed harder, um, if I worshipped more, if I shouted more, if I pleased God more, if I can please you more, Lord, if I can please you more, Lord, you might show a wee bit of interest in me. And anyways, I go, I'm not here for him. I'm going to him. I'm in a Christian retreat, by the way. I'm at a Christian retreat. And I'm going, I don't know if I'm a Christian. I don't know what am I doing? I felt so unworthy. So unworthy. I couldn't even speak to people up there. I couldn't have it. I felt, oh God, why am I here? Why am I here? I goes to Martin's caravan. He went, how's your piece of freedom going to have And that was my union with God right there. My union with God was using somebody else to speak to me. That's why you're here, Debbie. I went, ah, oh, I forgot about that. So he goes back to the caravan and I'm sitting in the caravan and again, Debbie tries to do Debbie, tries to strive to come into God's. I was just what happened when the Lord's praise and put a bit of worship on, no, there's no internet. I'm like, I'll sit outside with the Bible, start put it down. I'm like, aye, two minutes. Put it, two minutes. I'll just read a wee bit more and I'll just get full, I'll renew my mind and I'll fill my heart and we'll get there and we'll get the joy of the Lord. <laughs> it didn't work. It didn't work. Um, he says, get in there and sit down. Don't know where I'm going with this, unless it's, it's written down, so it's my truth. So let's and see if I offend you, please, some grace. I'm asking you and see if you have any grace to hit God. Because I don't know where we're going with this. So I get into the caravan and I had such a profound experience. And sometimes I can run on that experience, I want that again, Lord. Um, so this experience, I get sent to the caravan and I'm sitting, God, I'm going home. I've no internet, no phone, I can't even put my worship on you, are not even allowing me to read my Bible. What is this really all about? It's sit there, Debbie, just sit. I'm that Lord to where I went, Debbie, it's 10 to 10, we were to sit down to be still. I know that my Lord is like, but I was out in the kayak with you, I was out in the water, I was out here and I was out there, trying to do all this stuff to get into God's presence. And he just sat me down. And I'm honest, I couldn't sit in my own skin. I couldn't sit in my own skin. I was, oh, remember it and I'm saying Lord I'm here I'm here what's going on and I was having trouble with my family that wee neglected part again because I'm going to people I love all my heart so I'm going into Granny Seuss and I can't, I can't even mention names don't you dare mention your papa's name in here why Granny can't stand him he's a rapist and everything inside me he's going like this no that's your boy I want to tell him no that's your boy and I'm saying I can't because I, I can't offend Granny I can't. I don't know any of that stuff. I've never known none of that stuff. And it's really none of my business. It's really none of my business because I love them. So that wee part of me was getting so neglected. I'm not even allowed to give somebody that I love here. That I love. I'm not even allowed to speak about somebody that I love. So I'm sitting down with the Lord and I'm like, Lord, help me. I mean, this is my family. So I'm resenting the life with my granny. I love all my heart. I'm resenting the life with my family. I just don't. Please show me your perspective in this. Please show me. And I've heard people speaking. Um, it's a family illness. It's this, all that stuff. And this, the Lord sat me doing. I think I should read it for that so I don't miss it. Um, the Lord sat me doing. Um, and the scripture was, because we went there and it was on healing. Like, <coughs> getting through the keys. And the scripture is, I have to say, so what did Jesus tell us today in Matthew 11, 26? <laughs> Jesus has come to me, me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take me ten hours just to sit down 
get a bit of rest. And then I was asking him, and it was, I was to ask him, have you got any hurts? That son explains, I had to ask the Lord, what is your, what is my hurts? My hurts was, I was getting frustrated doing about my granny, and she starts hurling abuse at me for loving my granddad. Uh, she hates him. Um, and I had, I couldn't offend this woman in any way. I just didn't want to hurt. And then I had to sit down and ask Jesus, I went, Jesus, what is your perspective in this? I need help. I need help. I'm going to read you it word for word because this was, it was so profound for me. He says, Debbie. And he actually took me back. He took me back. He visualised it. He took me back along the family line. And he says, Debbie, you were an innocent child trying to be the peacemaker, looking for love, acceptance and approval from a family that could not meet, that could not meet, meet your needs. He says, the family were so, I were in so much and he showed me this, the denial he says, the fear, the trauma, resentment and bitterness towards each other. And we knees in the middle of that. Towards each other. But he also says they were trapped with the darkness. It went past on from generation to generation. I'd heard this stuff. But it didn't mean anything to me when the Lord showed me. The Lord showed me. Um, and he says, you're grand. And this is a way he says, <laughs> So and it was bizarre because when he was there... And he showed me the bit with my grandfather, and I remember going to the services, and I'm going to bring this, I'm aware of my time, going to the services, waking up out of coma, and a tape had been put in my life, and I woke up out of coma, and who was at the foot of my bed? <laughs> Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus was at the foot of my bed, going, come, come. And the Lord showed me this, because I was told that was a drug-induced psychosis. Mm-hmm. I was, this is it, that was a drug-induced psychosis, you were in Debbie. I'm like, I was in a coma for three days. Uh, new drugs in me uh, and I knew what I saw I knew what I saw um, but and he, was, he showed me there um, he says Debbie he says and this is what he spoke to me right because I've still remember this this is the words and I knew that was real I knew that was real but when I was there I was talking about with my grandmother and he says to me Debbie he says your grandfather knew your love for him you did the right thing right <laughs> You did the right thing by calling me in his deathbed. And I remember this, heavily intoxicated, 27 years ago, mm-hmm. under the influence of everything. <laughs> so nobody's going to tell me Jesus can't break through addiction, he can't break through any substance. I'm heavily intoxicated at a hospital bed. My granddad's taking his last breath. And my best thinking, not my thinking, God came in, I picks up a Bible. Picks up a Bible and starts praying for him. <laughs> Out my face, out my face. I was, but I picked up a Bible and he says, You did the right thing. Uh, you did the right thing by calling for me in his deathbed day because I didn't know what else to do. But I remember if he was a wee lassie, someone came in, God came in, uh, his deathbed says, Because the last, and this was my deliverance, right, for this wee party, says, Because the last voice he heard was yours, but the last breath he took was calling out to me. Yes, Deliverance, that grief for my grandfather right there and then I went, I know where my papa is. I know where my papa is. Yeah, right, because he showed me him. He showed me him. um, He just just showed me. He showed me, and I don't talk to the dead, but he showed me where my granddad went, and I was like, wow. Um, And they also come in and he says to me, he says, Debbie, I knew this was the only man you ever trusted. This was the only man you ever trusted. That was a wee part of me. When I lost my granddad, I didn't realise. I lost a sense of security. I lost a sense of protection. <coughs> and I lost that sense of love. And that's when all oh, that inside of me 
allow that wee part, that wee neglected part inside of me, I felt that nobody would ever be able to take care of that again. Again. But as I say, the Lord has showed me, says Debbie, that's why I said, and this is true, this is my, this is my testimony, and this is true. When I saw Jesus that night, just before it, says I had already been in a tent that didn't work, I managed to get away. Um, again, I saw my granddad, and I remember waking up and saying, I saw my granddad. I saw my granddad the age when he says, that's what he says to me, he says, Debbie, he says, I sent him the night of the incident. He says, I called you then, but you didn't answer. <laughs> uh, you allowed your granny to sway your judgment. I was at the foot of your bed, and that's not who you are. You're a new creation. Turn the other cheek at your back. Anyway, so I went down the road with that. So that was the experience I had in Port Ban. And I say, for me, that we neglected place was not being able to be true to who I really am. To my authentic self, to be true to me, to be able to stand up and say no, no, allow me to feel, allow me. This is this is how I feel, and it's been a wee experience over the weekend. But I'm going to say this to you, just the Lord to say to me, speak this. So Christmas Day, we've just spoke about the abuser that becomes abuse and all the rest. So Christmas Day, this is how, and I'm sorry if I've not touched on this. Is my my yeah. wee parts? This is my parts in me, my inner world. So that stuff that happened to me as a child, I get to sit on Christmas Day. I get now, I've resented that person, but yeah, I was a people pleaser. I wouldn't let them know I was resenting them. I'll go and tell the family and make it all right for them. This person's abused me sexually, mentally, physically. Uh, but ah, all that, I get to sit, I'm all right, I'm just finishing. I get to sit on Christmas Day on a hospital bed. Person that abused me, sexually abused me, way granny. Wake granny and sit with this person and actually turn around and go, this is when I know the work when God's doing someone new in me. Able to sit and say, I love you. Yes. I love you. Yeah. I love you. Can I have a cuddle? I gave him a cuddle. Tell me he's going to be all right. Mm-hmm. She says, you're going to be all right. I went, I love you. He says, but even more importantly, to have the confidence and know who I really am and go, Jesus loves you. Yeah. Do you know Jesus loves you? Do you know Jesus loves you? And speak about recovery to him and watch somebody else's lights go. And that's been my biggest fear. That's been our biggest fear when somebody comes and abuses, but allowed to be lassie, to feel. Allowed it to say, today, like we're told, it's going to be alright. You're going to be alright. But the main thing I learnt was I learnt for you, Elaine. I didn't go alone. Take Jesus. And I invite Jesus to come into that wee part, wee part that I don't like, the wee part that's resentful, wee part, loads of them, resentful, jealous, bitter, angry, all that stuff, and say, Jesus, I need you to come this and the wee part of this, I'll say this because it's part of the, sorry for you, but yesterday morning I <laughs> had to come down here and come before the Lord and say, Lord I'm so sorry and I'm so scared, I say I need to surrender this wee masculine <laughs> windy part <laughs> to you and I'm sitting going, God I'm petrified, I'm so scared, I am terrified to give you this part because that wee part seen me all through my life. He's a, I'm a flea or fight kind of gal. Well, I used to be, but I was also a no surrender. <laughs> no surrender. But yesterday morning, I, I managed to learn the, so you've got flea, fight, freeze. Yesterday, it was a surrender, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, I'm giving you this wee part, and I was terrified. And I'm so, Lord, I'm so scared to hear that wee part. I'm so scared to hear that wee masculine part, and I had a breakthrough with it, didn't we? in the groups last night to be able to sit there for the, I feel for the first time for me and sit and go wait a wee second I've got a wee part of me that's all oh, this rage and all this anger right now but <coughs> no to 
you. <laughs> no, you were like, you, you. He made me just sit and go like that. Listen, I'm really feeling angry, and I'm really feeling no seen, and I'm really feeling no listened to, I'm no feeling heard, and I'll tell you, I get so empowered by it. <laughs> I, get, I, I didn't feel all big mind me, but after it, I just went, I've been seen, I've been heard, and to me, that's my union with God right there. That was my union with God right there, just sitting and going, right, God, because in that moment, I'm sitting and going, God, I'm so scared. I'm so scared right now and I don't want to offend but God come in and go like that. Just taking the wee breath within the breath. That's my union with God, the breath, because my breath, <laughs> the wee breath within and I'm just saying, no, just speak your truth. Speak your truth. And I, I think I've went on, but I don't know if I touched on what you were, you were asking me to touch on. So Debbie, just want to thank you for sharing that. Wasn't that amazing? Yeah. When we get saved, when we open our heart to God and we just invite him in, there is this thing where it, it is such an amazing experience. You, you experience this like relief and just like, I've been rescued, he, he, you know, and that's a very genuine experience that a lot of us have in all different ways. Some people, it's really strong. They've got this amazing story, this amazing testimony. Some other people, it's just very gentle. It's something that happens, you know, over time. We're all very, very different. And that's why I love when diff people, different people share their stories. It's great, isn't it, to hear, like, the different hearts and their stories and the journey and, you know. But, but in this particular topic... We're start, I'm hoping you're starting to pick up from Finton's story and from Debbie's that the reality is that if you have losses, if you have experienced losses in your soul, guess what? God actually cares about those losses more than we do. More than especially our little Christian part. There's a part of us that can be very kind of spiritual yeah. You know, that wants us to be completely saved, done, dusted, you yeah. know, look at me, I'm the kind of oh, like the new, yeah. yeah. Finished I've arrived. I've arrived. Oh. I don't know, I just want to be part of the arrive gang. Who else wants to be part of that? Well, I used to actually have a gang like that and invite yeah. people into it, but not anymore <laughs> for myself personally. But I want you to, would you mind if I just ask you both a couple of questions? In um, regards part of me uh, is saying <laughs> <laughs> So, both of you talked about your losses um, um, in a way where there was, you know, a part of you that, in some, if you were to kind of put it in very simple terms, there was a part, there was a need in you that was not met mm. growing up. For you, that need, what was that need for you, Fintan, again? Acceptance. Um, Acceptance. Not being seen to be different. Mm -hmm. uh, not being found out. Okay. Yeah. So, acceptance... You know, not being seen as being different. Not being on my own. Not being on your own. So that was obviously, you know, a, to not be seen, to be afraid to be different. Mm -hmm. The human soul is never meant to experience that. You know, it doesn't matter how that came for Finton. We've all got different stories here. Finton's got a very kind of exotic story, actually. Belgium, France, you know, it's different than other people's here. But the reality is a human heart is a human heart. And where a, a, a need is not met... 
that's where the heart gets wounded and this yeah. is the loss and our father in heaven who is mm. the good good father who is a provider a protector he wants us to feel I, I, I've only understood this in the last 10 years he's so generous he wants to meet our needs for security safety for love and belonging I actually thought no God just wants me to be a good girl God just wants me in the I'm fixed club yeah. He just wants me to go out there and, and kind of all fix everyone else too. I didn't realize that, oh no, this is a, he's got a completely different plan here. And how come there's not enough people who've told me about this? And this is what we're trying to do this weekend. This is why Debbie is daring to stand up to tell you that her vulnerable inner life inside here. Why is she doing that? Because she's got a strong inkling that God is going to do something new. Yeah. Now, so... Debbie, for you, the, you know, the need that was not met for you, what was that need for you? Just not allowed to be a girl. Not allowed to be... Yeah. You weren't allowed to be a child. What did you have to be for other people? An adult. An adult. I felt when you had to be grown up, got to be able to have it all together. Yeah. That acceptance, again, it's acceptance to be seen, to be heard, and just... I just feel that lack of any emotional connection. Yeah. That is a huge loss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Actually, the response to that for you growing up as a little girl, your father in heaven wept yeah. over that. And that's what he's going after. And that's what he's going after in everyone's hearts here today. Now, for you, Finton, in regards to like that need, you know, afraid to be different, wanting to be accepted, how did you go about getting that met for yourself? Because this is what we do. In, in, we, and I know a lot of you know some of this stuff, but it is quite serious. Yeah. When we are young, we choose things to do to try and get that need met. Yeah. Because guess what? We're pretty actually amazing that way as human beings. We intuitively know we need this need. And we will develop coping mechanisms. So for you, Fintan, what was that? <laughs> and that's why I married him. <laughs> Very good coping mechanism. <laughs> So when this happens when you're young, well, whether it's really young or whether you're a teenager, the reality is this is like, this is like a, it's something, it's like, it's compulsive. That's, that's how deep we are as people. Like we desperately will get our needs met no matter what. Mm, yeah. No matter, that's the way God has designed us. Because guess what? We were meant to. <coughs> we were meant to get these needs met. And our Father God knows this. And he also knows that we have chosen, when we didn't know any better, immature coping mechanisms to Finton's young boy's heart, choosing that. And, he, and then him acting out of that for so many years. What were the repercussions 
for you and what do you think the repercussions for other people from you using that mechanism <clears throat> where really what Finton did was and a lot of us do this he abandoned himself and went externally to try and soothe a, a pain in his soul where he was not seen, loved, known, accepted. And this, and this is the thing that we've got to know. As much as we can open our hearts to God, which Finton did, it's fantastic that he did that. But the reality is the journey we go on with God is this process of him going after this place. So the repercussions for you and maybe the repercussions for other people around you, what, what was that from that coping mechanism? Well, the repercussions for others was, I think, that it was almost like a benefit because I was stepping into places mm. and actually going, I, I can see uh, you and I can see what you need and I identify with you. And I, so there's a lot of me people-pleasing, yes. yeah. stepping into other people's worlds yeah. and going, I get you, I, I, I get you. Do you see me getting you? <laughs> Actually, do you see me getting you? Yeah. <laughs> do you accept me, the fact that I really get you? So yeah. now I'm getting a need met codependently by stepping yeah. into other people's worlds. But what was happening there? So that's the impact maybe for others. So it, was, it was, so it was actually of benefit to other people. In some ways, because, yeah, I was attaching myself to other people going, offer, offer, offer. But what I was doing, oh, the repercussion for me, that abandonment, was I, I wasn't getting to know this at all. I was, I was abandoning myself. Hey, guess what? I was self-abandoning. I'd already been abandoned once, and I was doing it to myself. And what was the, and what was the impact of that on your relationships, on your friendships, on <coughs> people around you? For you, what was the impact for you personally? The impact for me yeah. was I, I seemed to be uh, getting a lot of friendships. I yeah. seemed to be uh, connecting with a lot of people. So, you know, that seven years of being on my own with no siblings... And, and, and no brothers and sisters, you know, so I, I was going out, so I collected, I collected a lot of friends. So you had a lot of friends, mm -hmm. but at the same time, what did you feel in with you? Uh, alone. Yeah. <laughs> so do you think God wants us to be in this world now as Christians with good friendships, with good yeah. friendships? Does yeah. yeah. he want to provide us with good people in our life? Yeah. How is he going to do this for Finton? Because mm. Finton's providing it for himself. Mm. Finton's fathering himself yeah. and he learned to do that at a young age does that make sense yeah. Yeah. and this is, this is the actual process that Finton stepped into he didn't realise it when he, uh, when he said yes to Jesus coming back but God could see this part of Finton's heart and the repercussions for him because the repercussions overall was that Finton knew a lot of people was of great like blessing to a lot of people yeah. but deep inside Finton was very sad yeah. very sensitive mm -hmm. unseen um, and um, mm. un he felt unknown mm. fish out of water fish out, out of water not comfortable in my skin yeah. actually yeah but everyone else feeling do you know oh, what people yeah. it's so funny this yeah. is what happens I'm going to ask you Debbie next I'm just keeping up my own time here but you know Everything that Finton needed, he made other people feel. Finton's a great person to be around. He's just amazing. He makes everyone else feel accepted. Well, most people accepted. He makes them feel known. No matter where you're from, your background, he's able to find a way, you know, you know whether it's a joke, whether it's, you know, as speaking kind of in the same dialect as you, he will find a way to make you feel so seen and loved. So there's a lot, 
of people benefit, but the person who God is concerned about is Fintan in that. And actually, this impacts a lot. This may sound like a small thing, but it impacts how God, how Fintan actually is learning to receive the passionate, deep love, the generous love of the Father. This is what its impact, because he cannot receive God's love in this way. He, you know, as in that he, God wants to show for Fintan, God wants to heal us, God wants to provide Fintan with really good friends, proper friends, who see him, who text him and call him, hey Fintan, how are you doing? How's your heart? That's what, whereas like the God a lot of us know is, look, just (coughs) try and be Christian, try and be good, and at some point you'll get to heaven. But this plan, this crazy plan that God is like, no, 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 heaven to earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on heaven as it is on earth now. He wants it now. He wants the life now. Because the most attractive Christians in this world, people who we talked about already, fully alive, and who have a sense of peace and safety and security deep in their soul. Have you ever been around those people? I've been around a few. And when you are, it's amazing. But you also get this feeling that they're not like holy up here. They seem very kind of humble and kind of grounded at the same time. But there's something about them that you're going like, I want to be around them. But if you find someone like that, they have worked their butts off (laughs) surrendering. Not striving. Surrendering what? Going in where sometimes it's uncomfortable, yeah, going in where it hurts, where it's awkward. Yeah. I mean, Debbie, you, you were talking about like God is going after something in, you know, in your heart. Repercussions for you, Debbie? Uh, because I disengage and disassociate that with my biggest. Disengage very pain I had and disassociate very pain I had and I would find something that was worse off. <laughs> and so you really thing. abandon yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you yeah. just like shut down, closed off. Yeah. Yeah. So you can imagine like, you know, why addiction was there for you. <coughs> can you imagine a soul that just gets almost like put in a coffin with the lid over? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? Can you imagine like, and especially if you were a young girl, because that's kind of, it's like you were buried alive. Yeah. I'm not trying to make you feel worse. I'm trying to say what Father God sees in this. So here you are. And a soul was never meant to experience that. Because basically what the Father is weeping over you to kind of go, because at the end of the day, here's this beautiful little girl's heart that's supposed to be able to play and be herself and express if she's angry, if she's sad, you know, and able to actually go, I'm jealous, you know, are you? Come on, tell me about that. What's going on? You know, none of that happened for you. And what is God going to say to you? Actually, just like stay in the coffin, do good works. Actually, bring people to Jesus even. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But like, no, no. He's, his death on the cross, what he did, was so profound. Because what he's doing in real life, in the flesh, he's making his word flesh in you. Because his word flesh is love. And what is love? What is love? Jesus? Yeah. Pardon? Yeah? It's an action. It's an action. <coughs> how, do you, how do we feel really loved as human beings? Safety. 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 What else? Acceptance. Hmm? Acceptance. Appreciated. Appreciated. Not judged. Not judged. Valued. Valued. 
Yeah. Belong, belonging, a sense of like, I belong here. You know when you walk in and people, oh, how are you doing? You know, just, oh, God, okay, you know. There's all these, that's what love is, and that's what God wants for us, and that's what he wants at the center of our souls. So really <coughs> questions for you, putting that lid on, because, and it's not your fault, like David was talking, not your fault, but now it's showing up in your adult life. And God is saying, look, can you come, can you come away with me? I want to show you something's happened here. And I don't want you to live like this yeah. until you die. I want you to be fully alive. I want you to be able to kind of know your own heart. Because that's what's happened. That's what he's trying to teach you. He's trying to kindly and compassionately teach you. Because the repercussions for that is like, none of your needs being met. met. Of course you moved into addiction. Where else would you get the comfort? I mean, your whole being must have been so uncomfortable, which you talked about, that he's brought you through a process of just trying to get you to kind of sit in, to sit and kind of go, I'm... Debbie, here I am. And he's like, yeah, I know. And he's so excited about that. <laughs> but repercussions for you were that you literally you got caught up in addiction for that comfort, for all those needs not being met. For other people. Last question, then we're going to move into meditation, um, and I'll kind of explain kind of like how how we're going to do that, how we're going to take the rest of the time. But uh, if I was to ask you about how God is healing this in for you, for you, how is He healing? (coughs) If you know what I mean, like what? How are how are you with the way He's healing this in you? One of the things I know that He. Um, has shown me is the things that are helpful and the things that are not helpful. Mm-hmm. So he's drawing me into, he's shown me what helpful things for me. Mm-hmm. So I know when I'm taking care of neglected places, when I'm doing those helpful things, which include getting outside, yeah. um, which includes giving myself rest. I can now mm-hmm. go for a 15 minute nap. I can yeah. fall asleep. I can let go. I can release everyone and everything and I can sleep I can rest (laughs) uh, you know walking listening to calm music things that I know I can offer myself and receive for the first time so I know I have a list of helpful things (laughs) but I also have a list of unhelpful things that I'm working on not spending time doing so the distractions and things that draw me into news stories social media so I've become aware that that's what he has shown me is I, I, I can begin to offer myself the things that are helpful and begin to move away from the things that are unhelpful. And it, it feels like there's air going into these lungs that had restricted breathing. Yeah. And is that like, how, like, is, is this feeling like a process for you? Oh, yes. Yeah. So, so here you go. So, so this is just an understanding is Fintan wakes up every morning and he goes for that union with God, which we're talking about. Give everyone and everything, unplug, whatever. 
but the reality is, is he knows he's still in process on this. What about you, Debbie? You're still in process. It's exciting. I love the gates. It's exciting. I mean, yeah. Glenn and you would be working through the chemistry of course, working through basic and if I have that language yeah. using me right now is maybe babies, tiny puppies, babies look yeah. to you have to go in and nut to the yeah. yeah. connection and yeah. just the basic needs. Basic yeah. needs. That's not the that's that simple for me just basic needs me yeah. and we can move to anything else, baby. Yeah. And it's exciting. And yeah. It's yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Basic needs. Water. Yeah. So. Water. Basic needs. Mm -hmm. I never looked after the amount of water what? that I drank. Just simple things like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, <coughs> we're gonna. We're just gonna play a song here. How much time do we have? Well, well, just a meditation. I'll play the song with the quiet thing. So, yeah. Will I just set the scene for sending people off? Did you want to say anything? Well, I just that? say something about sending. So Elaine's going to do a meditation, she's going to tell us how to think through things. Um, what we're encouraging people to do is, we're not going to have discussion groups after this, but what we want to do is a covenant of silence. So maybe you've done that before, but what it is, is that we agree that we will not speak for what, 30 minutes. 30 minutes. So when you encounter each other in the corridor, just don't have conversation, don't be going outside and having conversation out here. Try to find somewhere that you're on your own. Go for a walk to be on your own or find mm -hmm. a bed to lie on to sit about or to think about things or find a seat somewhere, but on your own. So don't discuss things. That's what we call a covenant silence for 30 minutes after mm -hmm. Elaine has, has given you the kind of the instructions. Yeah. Uh, okay? Is that okay, everyone? Yeah. And the reason being is a lot of times there's, there's very much moments in our lives where we need other people. But they're always, it's always going to lead to a moment where it's an encounter between you and Jesus, just you, you and him. And what we're looking for, if possible, is just to begin to kind of say, look, there's, a, there's actually a practice here. This isn't just a one-time experience. You can do this on any day you want, going here. And this is why we thought, like, if we encourage you to do this by yourselves, it means you can do it next Friday if something sh shows up for yourself. So... Bringing these places in our souls, you can see, is very important. The reason because we don't bring them. What happens in our souls is what is it that gets blocked? Love. Love gets blocked. And God is all about love. So we're not able to, these places, what happens is we're not able to receive love. And the scary thing, unknown to ourselves, is we often don't realize that we're making other people not feel loved as well around us. And that's what's hard. But he always goes for us first. And around this stuff, you will have to try and, I suppose, think of what you're bringing to God. You're bringing it, you know, to a very comforting, kind, loving, kind of like the motherly heart of God here, who wants to hear your pain. But the biggest issue is God has been waiting here, wanting to hear your pain for a long time, but we're the ones who think that, this isn't, this isn't what's on offer. You know, we think we just got to get on. And he's saying no, because this, if you just keep going on, you, you hear them, hopefully you're hearing the message we're giving you. So we're going to just take some time out. And what I, <clears throat> there's three things that are three kind of three points, if you can remember, as we take this time, we're going to start a little bit of the work here with the music. And then when, we, when I finish speaking, then it means you can just go off and just take a walk for whatever and just see 
Because what we're really wanting to happen here is for God to kind of show you. I don't want you to go rooting yourself. I don't want you to start thinking, oh yeah, what happened in my past, blah, blah, blah. Just say, God, what is there a part of my heart that you want to show me that has experienced some loss? It could be something you already know. It could be you already know I'm in a process. It could be something new. And you'll just get this thought or this memory that will come up. So what God, the way it works is, it's very simple. This is not complex stuff, believe it or not. It's just that we're afraid. So first thing you need to do is, what God wants us to do is to name it. So if you just write that down, name it. I just don't feel seen, heard. And you kind of might give you memory of why that is. Don't feel known. You know, for me, it was always, I don't feel safe and secure. Mm-hmm. I really feel unprotected in this world. I feel like anyone could do anything to me and anything could happen. So that would be my naming it. I don't feel safe and secure. <coughs> and the impact that that had on my life and other people's. So you name it. Now, a wound, and this is the bit that we find hard to accept. It doesn't get healed unless you feel it. So the second thing is feeling it. So naming it, and then give yourself to feel it. Give yourself permission, which is what Debbie was mentioning has already happened to her in this week. Debbie gave herself permission to feel angry. And God is going, yes! Well done, we've got the real Debbie now. Now we can do something with this. Do you see? So name it, feel it, and then allow yourself to go in that place in your soul and invite Jesus into that space. Name it, feel it, invite Jesus in. And try and not overanalyze it. Just see what comes up. Be very surrendered. If you don't get anything, guess what? You don't get anything. Today's not the day. But you might remember this in another few months. So we're just going to put on the music and uh, and then I'm just going to lead us in a prayer and when I finish praying then you just can go off there is that does everyone understand that that's that easy enough to do so let's just take a couple of deep breaths (coughs) and just do a little bit of the body scan because <clears throat> just tune into your body now because if we're not in our own bodies then we are up in our heads and if we're in our heads then we're not going to be we're moving away from our actual heart even though our heads are so just take a deep breath now your body, just feel your shoulders, they tense, just relax your shoulders, just locate if there's any tension in your head as well, if you feel like your mind is buzzing, just relax. (coughs) 
relax your mind. Just notice if there's any other tension just in your body, whether it's in your stomach. Is your stomach tense? Are you holding something? Do you feel like you're holding something there? Whatever tension you feel, whether it's in your stomach, maybe your legs, maybe your feet are kind of like tense. Just ask if this moment of trust will you just relax your whole body if you can. And I just want you to to ask Jesus question in this place. Just a very childlike question. Jesus, would you just show me in my heart, show me what you can see. Jesus, would you just show me where my loss was. Jesus, will you just show me a moment or a memory or situation bring up into my heart maybe a relationship where there was an experience of just not being seen an experience of not being known Maybe an experience of being rejected. Maybe an experience of neglect. Jesus, would you just show me Show us, where is it, where was it that a deep need of mine is not met? very simple. Just sit now and listen to the music for another few minutes. And just write down, if you want, anything that comes up. And then I just want you to to see if you can try and enter a conversation with Jesus about what happens. 
in this memory, in this pain, in this loss. And you can either stay in this room, you can go outside. This is a moment where you've been given an opportunity, you're giving yourself an opportunity to say, my losses, my pain matter. Jesus wants you to name it, to know that he's not afraid of you feeling it. Just be completely honest with him. Be completely honest with Jesus. Just see what comes up for you. There's no pressure here at all. If nothing, that's okay. Just give yourself, take all pressure off and just simply surrender to what Jesus wants to show you today, this morning. And know that this is the true deep journey of the heart, the restoration of the heart.
This has been the Freedom Fighter Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you want to connect with our services or you want more info or details about upcoming events, connect with us online at www.freedomfighter.life or drop us an email at info at freedomfighters.life. Until next time, God bless you.